Hello and welcome back to the Authentic Artistry podcast with me, Kitty Bazalgette, as your host. This is the podcast in which we explore what it means to find authenticity as a performer. How do we find it? How do we express it on stage? And to try and answer just some of those questions that it throws up for yourself in the process. All of the things that don't quite fit into a minute and a half video on Instagram. Before we get started today, I just want to remind you that if you are enjoying the podcast and these conversations, then you can give us a rating or review on your podcast platform. And that is super helpful for getting this podcast listened to by many more wonderful creatives. Now grab yourself a cup of something and let's get into the podcast. Originally from Lausanne, Switzerland, but living now for nearly eight years in the Netherlands, my guest today is a versatile harpist who has played with a range of ensembles in different styles from folk and Latin to jazz, experimental and free improv. She has played with ensembles and collectives such as Young Metropolitan Orchestra, 222 Orchestra and forms her own ensembles to play her own music. Having left the world of classical music behind her, she is on a mission to find her voice in her creativity, which is exactly what she has been doing for the last few years and what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. Hi, Lily. Welcome to the Authentic Artistry Podcast. (laughs) Hello, Kitty. (laughs) This is so exciting. Yeah, and weird. My first ever Authentic Artistry live guest. I've got cups of tea, I've got blueberries. We're ready to go. Yay. So Lily, what does authentic artistry mean to you? I think for me, it's being able to show yourself authentically on stage and also playing the kind of music that you want to perform. (laughs) What are three qualities or capabilities in other musicians, creatives that inspire you? I think authenticity is a big one. Like, I think when people play really what they what they want to play then it shows and when it's their own music expressivity like if people are able to create a bubble where you kind of like feel like you you have a way into their world so how they relate also to the audience has a big thing like a pathway yeah i don't know like you know fuen santa she's like completely in her thing but at the same time it's really open and you have a a door into her world. Yeah, you can look in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a third one? I mean, I often think that people that, like, play a lot or that, like, play really virtuoso, I'm like, cool, but what are you trying to say? So a lot of times I think that the artists that I am drawn to, they don't necessarily play a lot. Like, they, it's more maybe a little bit minimalist or... They don't need to to play a lot in order for their point to come across. And their point maybe comes across so well because they don't have like a lot of layers on top of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that also relates to that pathway, like that being able to look in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was the last concert that you went to? Yeah, I was thinking about it. And now July is kind of a dry month with that (laughs) because a lot of people are gone for the holidays. I think the last concert I went to was the um, summer concert of the conservatory in the Osterport, which was a really strange patchwork of things. (laughs) Were you there? No, 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 I'd already gone. It was weird. Some things were really nice and but didn't make much sense, the programmation. <laughs> like, they played some Rammstein and some Fauré and some... It was weird. <laughs> but I enjoyed it because I had some friends on stage. Rammstein and Fauré. I don't think those have ever been in a concert program. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, funny. 
If you could have dinner with any musician, performer or artist throughout history, who would it be and why? Um, probably Fuen Santa would be one. She's an um, Amsterdam-based Mexican singer and double bass player and composer. She's probably the artist that I've heard the most um, lately. And uh, otherwise also maybe Floating Points. He's a DJ and producer and composer and one of his albums, um, Promises, is probably my favorite album of the last year that I've heard. I've heard this album so many times. What would you ask him if you had dinner with him? But how, how <laughs> like, how do you get the idea to do an album like this one that is just, you have one motive that goes throughout the entire album and it's like eight or nine movements. It's 14, 40 minutes of music one motive and then you have things that happen on top and everything but it's and it's so beautiful it's like a symphony yeah and it actually he has the, like the strings of the london symphony orchestra with him and then like keyboards and synthesizers and then pharaoh sanders which is a jazz saxophonist soloing on top it's the best of all the worlds for me <laughs> i've heard of floating points but i haven't listened to this album so i'm definitely going to listen, listen to, to this promises album. Promises is a beautiful album. Last question, and then into the meaty part of the <laughs> podcast. How would you describe your music or work to someone who's never met you before? The music I compose, I think, has a lot of introspection in it. It's probably minimalist in the sense that I don't necessarily have like a bunch of crazy chords. I might have a tune that's just one scale, you know. Some people have called it delicate also but i think that also comes with the instrument i play <laughs> which is the harp so yeah but then i like that's the music i compose and then i've played in a lot of different things i've also worked with visual artists or in uh, some other projects of you know crazy projects of crazy friends <laughs> lily just looked towards her 222 orchestra poster so shout out to moita yes <laughs> <laughs> so you're a harpist mm -hmm. and you've just finished your master in what? So it's called NIPE, which is, stands for um, New Audiences and Innovative Performance. All of us that did this master have really diverse musical practices. Like, I mean, I'm a harp player, but then we have, you know, two cellos that are doing metal folk stuff and then you know we have two guys from iran that are doing basically mixing kind of western stuff with um traditional persian music or indian music we have like everybody's doing a different thing yet we all meet in the same place because we all have a s certain reflection around music and how we want to approach it and i think a lot of people come to nipe because they they need a change in the way they approach music and for me it was really a place where i could try out really a lot of uh, different things and explore my approach to music can you say a bit about what what were you doing before why did you need to go tonight yeah so i often say that so i used to play a lot of classical music i did a bachelor in classical music uh, before that master and I often say that I 
played classical music because I played harp and harp happens to be a classical instrument, at least in the Western world. And um, my, so harp has always been my door into music but in classical I I don't know I felt really constricted especially when I started the bachelor because it's one thing to do it as an amateur before you enter conservatory but then once I was in the conservatory I didn't have a lot of times the choice of what pieces I wanted to play or like it was you have to play that repertoire and you have to play in chamber music and do those orchestra excerpts and you don't really have a choice and um and yeah, I, I, I don't know, I kind of lost the joy. It was, I don't know, very, <laughs> no mistakes, no, you know, I, it gave me a lot of anxiety. <laughs> and so going into night, what was it like having those rules taken away from you? It can be scary because um, you realize that they're not going to tell you what to do. So you have to find out what you want to do. And sometimes you get lost. And I think also in a way you cannot really find yourself if you don't get lost a little bit. But you need to have a direction and you ha you need to... My way of doing it was to kind of intuitively be like, I think this is interesting. I'm going to try to do that. And so I did a lot of really different things. And then talking with a lot of uh, mentors kind of that we had there. Uh, and talking about the approach to music and then we had the research also that we had to do a research and write basically a master thesis that also kind of gave direction although <laughs> that was really not my medium but in the end I ended up having some nice conclusions yeah, yeah say a bit about about your about your research I know it was about like well first it starts off with like availability mm -hmm. like being available to play with others but then it kind of diverted and transformed into m talking and thinking more about like what does it take to be creative yeah what do you need to be creative so the guru is here <laughs> <laughs> so my research question was how can i create a musical practice that invite more creativity and that can foster creativity and then i was like okay what is helpful and what is not helpful and so basically i had a lot of reflections around what is needed from me what kind of mindset i need to have and then I put that in practice, basically. But yeah, I talked about... So the availability is... Basically, the definition I had of availability was being welcome to ideas, to the most diverse ideas. So that could be, you know, putting myself in a state of mind where I could have ideas because that's one of the big conclusions of my research is that creativity or inspiration or all of those things, they are not things that fall from the sky that you wait for them to happen or that you have and you don't have or you don't have you know it's not a talent but it's something that you experience and you can create the conditions that make it more likely that you will experience it like making myself available as a mindset but also being available to other people's ideas doing collaborations mm -hmm. and i don't know i also discovered that in uh, any creative process you have a certain level of uncertainty which you don't have so much in classical music because you get a score and you, your job is to reproduce what's on the score. You have, of course, freedom of interpretation and stuff, but when you start from scratch, you have to be able to tolerate or you have to learn to tolerate the discomfort of being uncertain about the outcome because you don't necessarily know how it's going to end up sounding. It's a... 
pick topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it was. I mean, it was really difficult to put it in a way that was that made sense, like narratively, <laughs> because it was a, like, and still now it's like a lot of ideas that go everywhere, and it's really difficult to talk about it in a structured way. What do you think the biggest thing that changed for you was during this process of of the research and and exploring the harp in in different ways the approach to the instrument and to music in general i mean first of all i learned a lot of new skills like improvisation or also composition there was like things that i didn't dare to do and was very scary to do at first and the more i do it the more it gets easy i think it helped me figure out what i need to work on in order to be creative and what conditions I need. What, what are the conditions that you need to be creative? I mean, for example, you have to challenge kind of uh, some beliefs that you have. So perfectionism, for example, is something that is highly valued. What's in that? <laughs> I'm <laughs> joking. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> but it's highly valued in classical music. And for me, it was more like a blockage than anything else and still is now like somehow in my mind the back of my mind is something about like i would rather not try if it's going to be bad preaching to the choir here i have this <laughs> thought so often <laughs> but i mean and we i think to some degree we all do but then it's like man i mean if you're going to be creative and do different things you are going to make a lot of material that you're not going to end up using you know so knowing when to judge your creation also is like a big thing and who to ask feedback from. So like uh, one of my teachers was all the time telling me like create and edit later, like make and edit later because when you are making it, you cannot be objective about what you're doing. You can't. Impossible. Yeah, I think that also goes for any moment when you're trying to record or compose or anything i'm also thinking about like this week and last week when we've been recording some stuff in preparation for a concert and whenever i listen back to to the recording and it's like the evening that we do it and i don't have the ears kind of in the best perspective to be listening to myself Hmm. so then you can't listen to yourself in a non-judgmental way yeah exactly you know i i just graduated about a month ago now from the master i had the final concerts um i i have heard some of it but i haven't heard it all in its entirety and i think i I was kind of waiting like definitely two weeks like there was a period of two weeks after i did the concert where i was like i'm not gonna listen to it i'm not even gonna try because i'm not ready to do that because i don't have enough like distance with it it also ends up taking away from the feeling that you have yeah and yeah, the yeah. joy yeah i think i wanted to first let the feelings linked to it sink in which i think they basically have now i heard some bits of it and i was it was like huh like look at that like i did that you know instead of right after being like ah oh, yeah i should have done this differently i shouldn't uh, you know i don't know like knowing in what mm, mindset you need to be in and recognizing when you're judging something like from where your judgment is coming from. Because sometimes it's coming from your own overly harsh self-critic. 
and sometimes it's coming from actually like a place of like finding the best way to be expressive and it's really difficult sometimes to make the difference between the two for me yeah and i think often it can also come from comparison yeah and that comes alongside the harsh self-critic because then you're thinking about how it should sound compared to maybe other people yeah 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 and i don't know it makes me think of like all the mental preparation i did for the concert because that concert that final master concert was a lot of originals so i had to schedule time for composing and decide like okay at that time i'm gonna like even maybe like i think there was one tune where i was really not completely like into it but I was like, no, that's it. Because we need to rehearse. And like, at some point, it's like, you have to also, it's never going to be perfect. But besides that, yeah, there was a lot of mental preparation, like a lot of introspection time where I was just sitting on my yoga mat and writing in my notebook a lot about how I wanted to approach this and how I wanted to feel on stage. So, and I was constantly reminding myself, like, yeah, but you are creating the conditions for it to happen well I surrounded myself on stage with people that I trusted that are my friends and my family of souls you know it was a really beautiful experience because of that because I I knew I had the support and then I knew that I was repeating myself stuff like uh, to focus on the sensations rather than getting it right or or like the shape it has so focusing on how it makes me feel rather than what are the other people going to think about it? That's the thing that you can control as well. You can control how you feel. Mm-hmm. You can control. I say that in in inverted commas, but like you have the power to to change it, but you don't have the power to change what other people are thinking about you and what other people are, what other people's opinions are of what you're playing. Yeah. So that's the most important thing I think to focus on is like, how do I want to feel? What are the sensations that I want to have when I'm playing this music? Yeah, and also like, why was I doing it in a way? Because I have this question that is like, where do I choose to put meaning in my life? Which is like a really big question lately for me. And I think that this concert really was in that line because it was like, I choose to move from a place of like radical self-care and self-love like I'm doing this as a celebration for all the journey throughout the master which hasn't been easy for many reasons and I want to do it because of that rather than it's an exam or it's mm, to show off what I've been doing it was like no 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 like I basically I wanted it to come from a place of authenticity rather than I've been told I should play so <laughs> you know or like I, I also didn't try to show off really like some parts I played were maybe technical technically difficult but it wasn't I didn't try to make it technically difficult that wasn't the point and I am also really thankful of my master that it was not required of us like they don't judge us based on virtuosity or or yeah, your technical abilities on your instrument or whatever, but really on your, like, how can you uh, express your artistical identity in a mm. way? So I'm really grateful because I had that, I didn't, I wasn't, you know, um, 
forced to play things I maybe didn't want or something. You, you mentioned just before about that it wasn't an easy journey mm -hmm. through the master. I mean, I was by your side for most of it. Yeah. Well, all of it. All of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw you going from a blocked place mm. to a way more free and open place and creative and accepting. What helped you to move from the blocked place to the creative place? Well, therapy was one big up therapy yeah therapy for sure although that did have to stop at some point because <laughs> yeah um basically I, yeah i was i had therapy for about a year and then right like maybe two months or something before my final graduation my therapist and i decided to stop for now because it was like i didn't have the mental space to go on with it because it was like about really specific topics. Mm. So that helped. And then actually the fact of not having therapy at some point, then it was like, okay, so actually now I have to really, there was an understanding that um, my therapist couldn't do the work for me. He might give me tools, but I had to be the one committed to doing that work. And it was kind of the same also with music. I have to be the one committed to doing that work and especially going the way that I'm going, which is like very little people are doing what I do. And actually now, for example, I'm really at a point where I don't think a conservatory or a school or something could teach me much more, but I need to learn still a lot. But I know it's not going to be through a conservatory because it's too specific what I do and not, yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be through playing and doing and exactly yeah. meeting people and having experiences things going well things going not so well and learning through doing and I think that's amazing because I think the master has has also helped you get to that place of being like ready to dive into that yeah 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 but yeah you you asked me like what what helped me right to get unblocked well I mean first of all it was like at some point I needed to stop <laughs> because everything was too much. I had like some personal uh, mental health stuff, which is why I went to therapy and stuff. So I had to stop. And I think that the moment I stopped, it was like when I got back on the horse, so to speak, like when I started doing music again and I found a therapist and all that, then it was like, okay, now we're really gonna get back in the way that I intuitively believe is the right way I should be doing music and that is not necessarily what they have been telling me all the time in classical because in classical I also had some issues sometimes and it was always like no I just sit straight and work and uh, like don't be lazy and stuff and now it was like no like I actually had teachers in this master that were like they told me to take time you know and they were like trying to respond or to give me tools or whatever for whatever I needed on the moment. And sometimes it was just like me being like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And then we talk about many different things that, but I don't know, like for me, the, the personal journey and the musical journey has been like really, really, really linked. Because it sounds also then that the, the break from the master and the starting of therapy, then w when you came back, like it allows a, personal reset but it also allowed you 
an artistic reset to go mm. okay how do I actually how do I want to be feeling how do I want to be moving in this space and maybe also giving you a little bit more room between you and classical mm. to then go back into your creative practice and say actually this is the way that we're doing things now also to yourself and be like no self we're doing things this way where we're not going to be I mean it's not to say that you'll never be have perfectionistic qualities in your life again but allowing yourself to let go of that more yeah I don't know it was uh I'm not sure how <laughs> how really I ended up doing this concert because I had the idea of that concert that final concert around the time that I had to stop uh, the master for a bit I took like six month break and really like so I did that final 26th of June 2023 and in 2022 June I remember thinking like there's no way I could do a final right now and then it was like one year later it was like I did that thing that I had the idea like a year and a half ago or something like that so I don't know it was a lot of things. It was surrounding myself with people that I trust. It was starting to trust more and more what I do or to even like not care if I think that if it's good or bad, like just doing something and not caring about what, yeah, not caring about judgments, trying to, you know, make that chill. But it was not easy because it's not like uh, you have a revelation of like, okay, now I'm going to do it my way. Like, no, it never works like that. It's a lot of work especially when you're trying to reprogram your brain in a way that works with you and not against you. So, I don't know, it was a lot of work and it's still a lot of work and now it's like, <laughs> I'm glad I did all that work because now it's not going to be very easy in the next few months. What What did you enjoy most about getting that final concert together? I think the thing I was the proudest about was how I was... Um, approaching it mentally and I was really aware of the fact that I was working on my own values and that I was working from really me searching for meaning and allowing myself to work on those things and to be like my story has value whatever I have to say has value and I'm doing it with my friends on stage you know and everything so I don't know. It was very representative of you, your final. Yeah, I you thought. know, uh, some people told me that, like some people that maybe are not super close to, they were like, yes, you don't show yourself so much to me, but I felt like on your final exam, you did. Hmm. And that you were really, you know, it was a really interesting. I'm really glad that I did that project and that I tried a lot of things that I was scared of also. So you just mentioned before, like now it's going to be a bit harder this year. Hmm. What are you hoping for in this next year? Like next couple of years, what are your kind of hopes and objectives going out into the big wide world? Well, one thing that I've been thinking a lot in the past few days is that, so there's a lot of uncertainty now, right? Because I just finished my studies and I'm probably not going to be a student anymore and I've been in a school since I'm four years old basically I've always had somebody telling me what to do and then as much as I hated it now 
nobody's going to tell me how to earn money. Nobody's going to tell me how to lead my life, how to choose the projects, how to surround myself with people. I mean, already people were not telling me how to do that. But anyway, because I think there's like a sort of belief that at some point we will be all set and we will have everything and we'll be content. But I don't think that this is ever going to happen. <laughs> I don't think so. It's really a constant reminder of... Yes, there's going to be a high degree of uncertainty post-graduation. It's normal. But there is always going to be some uncertainty. So I think my biggest goal, perhaps, would be to just learn to like, live with that instead of trying to delete it. But really... And that also relates, that's also something I talk about in the research, like tolerating the discomfort of being uncertain. Mm. And yeah, I think I will be happy if mentally I manage to deal with things as they come and to yeah be kind of, okay, that sounds silly, but to go with the flow a little bit, even though the flow sometimes might not be easy. One of the things that I think... And it reminded me when you were just saying about we think at some point we'll be content, we'll be set. And I think maybe some people might might reach that moment. I think people who work in some kind of creative portfolio career and going to be doing different things at different times, I don't think the kind of, oh yeah, now this is it. I don't think that comes. And it reminded me when you're saying that that is one of the reasons why when nice things that you do like come up to really sit in that moment hmm. and and take a moment to be like, oh, this is cool. Like I'm doing this. I also say this to myself because like I have this concert on Thursday and it's doing all English repertoire, which I love. It's still very much in the classical vein, which I'm also trying to break a little bit out of but scares the living daylights out of me to do that I understand <laughs> but like it was a concert that I programmed like myself and I'm playing it with Jaime and sometimes I just have to remind myself this is a really beautiful program and I'm playing it with someone who I love and not to let the fear get in the way of me actually having a nice time yeah and it is something that we can actually influence it's what you were saying before. It's like you can create the conditions that make it more likely that you will have a nice experience on stage. But ultimately, you will—you cannot foresee everything. I remember thinking before the before my my final concert, like no matter what happens on that day, like there could be technical problems, there could be you know like so many things going wrong. But it didn't matter because the journey was what mattered that sounds maybe a bit silly but it was really like all the work is there but i really think that at the end of the master for some people it might be different but i really just felt i don't mind actually in the end how this goes today because yeah everything that's happened in the last two years has been more important than that hmm. I, I didn't actually sing as well in my final exam because i just had covid <laughs> yes and so my voice was a little bit like ropey okay not not that bad but it wasn't that bad kitty <laughs> but not in the condition that maybe I would have liked it to have been in for a final concert but then I I had so much fun and I have so many memories from that day 
I just think I'm not going to forget this and and I just smile every time I think about it and I don't think about oh well my vocal cords were not in the prime condition like I don't care about that I remember how I felt mm. and I remember the experience and the sensation but that's also what people remember right they don't they don't care if you make mistakes they people don't care if if you felt like your voice was not in the right place or if uh, maybe you know whatever like no people will remember when an artist is really present on stage and i think that in order to have that you have to have this authenticity and it's it reminds me of so at the beginning of so lily did my <laughs> lily's one of my students as well as my <laughs> friend <laughs> she did my course authentic artistry in mm -hmm. the conservatory and one of the things that we talk about at the beginning and also in practical lessons as well is about artistic presence mm. and like representing your values on stage and one of the videos that i showed i don't know if you remember the gymnast mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah and i always think it's such a good example to give some people don't necessarily like that i'm showing sport <laughs> i think they don't see the relevance of it as much or they don't connect with it as much but i just th think that like it was a video of Caitlin Ohashi when she was performing at the UCLA at the university championships and it was like the most insane performance and you can just tell that she's having fun and everyone around her is having fun the whole time and it's like why is that not kind of more of a priority for musicians as well yeah and but also I think in part it's something about like we studied in conservatories that's really institutionalized there's a way to do things, you know? There's mm. a way to do things right, or so they say. But in the real life... It's hard to shake out of that mold, I think. I, I'm really finding it in the year since graduating. And I feel a need to shake off that, that institutionalized way of thinking about how I sing. Mm. But it's so hard because I have made so many habits in my thinking of how I should be thinking about yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. That it's become so difficult to then actually let it go and say, actually, this is what I'm going to do and I'm not going to care about what other singers might think about how I'm singing. Yeah, but, but the problem also with the institutions, like the conservatories, is that they focus on technical excellence, but there should be, and I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't focus on that, but there should be also a focus on like finding your voice and finding your own mm, individual way of expressing through music. And I, I remember <laughs> writing a mail to the administration about what was going bad in the conservatory and saying like, well, in the master, actually, the only lesson that talks about this is Kitty's lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think some people have the belief that this is not really something you can teach or something like it's this belief that creativity is a talent and that yeah if you're expressive it's because you're talented and sure it comes easier to some people but it is something you can learn but i also think that you can give people the tools and the structure it's not not structure you can give people the environment and the space in order to actually explore who am I? Why do I why do I play the harp? Why do I play the piano? Why do I play exactly. the cello? And what am I trying to say? And it, it might not come immediately because one of the things I've also focus on a, a lot 
in the lessons is is talking about values mm. and when i f- st- first started thinking about my values when the these kind of exercises were introduced to me i didn't totally get it straight away it gave me some new insights but the more i thought about it the more i started to understand why i want to make music why i want to make this podcast why i want to make authentic artistry why i want to do these things for myself and also for other people and the more i dug into the more i understood takes time but i think you can it i mean i and i know it's possible because i've i've done it with like 40 students so that is that is possible that yeah and you need to give them the safe space in order to explore it and go into depth about it about areas that then maybe have not ever thought about before i'm really happy that i did the master i did because at least they gave us it was basically like okay i want to learn this and this and then they facilitated us learning it but then yeah i did a lot of things that now i wouldn't do but it was i I think it was like (laughs) i did a lot of weird abstract crazy things but i think i needed to go through that to like shake off some of the classical hangovers you know go to go to a different extreme mm-hmm. to then build the layers and then take them back and find out okay yeah 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 where where is where is lily where is yeah the harpist that but, i but and be? also like giving a space for those questions like you said it's there was absolutely no space for that in classical for me at least like absolutely not i do think that sometimes the classical world is more geared towards maintaining itself than towards opening itself here's the whole problem but it's really difficult to change the institutions like the conservatory i think because they're so like so full of those old ways of thinking like and i actually think that we studied in a more open-minded one yeah so one of the questions that i'm really interested in with all of the people who come on the podcast is how do you put your authenticity into the Mm. music that you make into your own performances well the journey for me it started by leaving classical (laughs) because that i didn't have that space there but then it was like what then what there's no recipe for that (laughs) it's just like there's no recipe for finding your authenticity i think you you try a lot of things at least that was my way because as much as I think a lot about everything and doubt everything and all of that, at some point you just have to try and do stuff that are different from what you've done to see if it fits you. Immediately, your piece, Ambiguity, came into my head. <laughs> because that's basically what... Like, ambiguity, of course, it's ambiguous. But the uncertainty, the doubt, the that that is ambiguity like Mm -hmm. that creates a part of ambiguity so in a way you put you put your own thoughts into the music and you do it by trying like you say you do it by experimenting trying now and editing later yeah but and also like creating a frame in which you can evolve because like classical gives you a very clear frame and then when you're like okay i want to leave that it's the big wide world and you have to you actually need to find yourself some kind of direction or some kind of yeah frame in which you want to um 
move basically and for me it was finding the people i want to work with you know like for example do to orchestra great <laughs> like this is so much fun you know the people that i had on my on stage with me in the final exam you know like also like the people that studied together with me are people that you know so finding the people that you want that you feel comfortable and that you feel safe to try things with i think that's maybe like one of the first things or at least finding more enjoyable to try things out with other people so rather than being alone so yeah finding a place where you can have people to try things out and you feel safe to try those things out feeling safe i think it's also really overlooked in general in education and in performance (laughs) especially in classical sorry to like you know (laughs) We're not hating on classical that much. Yeah, I know, I know. Actually, I think I have more love for it now than I left it. (laughs) I think actually like that thing, like who to uh, make music with, that was probably the first thing that was for me strange. Like in classical, when I was in the classical bachelor, I was like, why do I always hang out with people that are not in the classical department? They were all in the jazz department or, or composing or whatever. I don't know, like, I think that was actually, like, the people, like, I got attracted to certain people and how they were doing things, you know? I think that was probably, for me, one of the first things that helped me. Like, I think it's a sign when you want to be around certain people. Mm. I just don't think it's a coincidence Yeah, that those are the type of people who you prefer hanging out with. Yeah. And then it's kind of like this key to, oh, well, maybe there's something here that, it, like a piece of my puzzle mm. that is leading me to my answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that it's not so much about what I play, but how I approach it. What's the intention behind it? I think that's maybe something I'm more interested in. And the thing is, like, a lot of times I will find an approach that suits me outside of classical music with jazz players or, you know. There's a couple of questions that I want to ask before we finish. One, I've I've never asked someone before, but this just came to my head and I think it might be quite nice. And that's, what would you say to 19-year-old Lily who came here eight years ago? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> The fear in Lily's eyes when I said that was quite quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, but especially because at 19, that was a very specific time of my life. Very uh, weird and uh, <laughs> difficult. First of all, she should be proud. <laughs> because knowing all the mm, difficult stuff uh, she had to live right before coming to Netherlands to study music. I think it's a fucking miracle that she... Sorry, I probably should yeah I can swear okay nice but it's a miracle that she moved at 19 so first of all be proud be proud I don't want to fall in the like cliches but like something about trust the process but like in a way of don't try to always be fine because there are, mo- there are moments in you're not going to be fine and it's like that in your personal life but also in creativity one of my teachers told me that recently like um in the life of a creative or of an artist or whatever, there's going to be moments of creative famine where you're kind of like lost and you don't really know what you do and 
that's probably a moment where you listen to a lot of music or you consume a lot of art or whatever. And then there are moments where you're super active and you're doing a lot of things and there are those waves and those um, ups and downs and it's just, it's going to be like that. So just as best as we can, we have to accept it. <laughs> I feel like RuPaul in the like last episode. Yeah, I was thinking the same. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't have a picture of you to hold up. And the last question that I always ask is, what would you say to someone else who's looking for their own authentic artistry? Surround yourself with people that inspire you. Like, and not just like mm, reading stuff that inspire you. Like, surround yourself with people where you are that inspire you. And maybe rather than focusing on a specific goal, like being able to play a specific piece or being able to improvise when you've never done it or to compose when you've never like rather than focusing on that focusing rather on creating the space that will allow you to do that so creating a safe space to explore with other people and also like researching kind of like what do you need you yourself in order to do that and yeah I think that would be that's actually my research that makes sense yay <laughs> so everyone go and read Lily's research <laughs> <laughs> Lily thank you so much for being my first in-person guest on this podcast yay. it's so nice thank you so much for inviting me <laughs> it's been really lovely to chat yay there's something so special about really talking in depth with a friend and fellow musician about their own perspective on artistry, authenticity and inspiration. Lily is such an authentic person, someone who feels deeply and that is also richly reflected in the music that she plays and composes. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I think it's always really helpful and insightful to hear from someone early on in their career so that others know how okay it is to have ups, downs, twists and turns and how helpful it is to talk about challenges and the things that throw our mental health out of balance. That is part of our story, not only as musicians, but also as humans. And it's so important to come into contact with it and find space to express it. Now that's all for today. Join us next time for the final episode of season one. Bye.